Howdy there. We're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get, Get it, it for, for free in the, in the app, app store. store. Yeah! Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hello, my sweet friend. Hello, my spicy friend. <gasps> Ooh, sweet and spicy. <laughs> Look at mm-hmm. us. Welcome to Wisteria. Gaze. I think I forgot Ooh. to say this the last couple episodes, but it's all right. <laughs> this is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Desperate Housewives. And we're Woo. gay. We're gay. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Every- everyone who's gay out there, give me a woo. Woo. Thank you. I hope it's I hope- just me. I'm the only gay one. <laughs> yeah. I hope some of you. And you. <laughs> yeah. Woo. I hope some of you wooed. Um, and if not, that's okay. You're still you're still invited to hang out with us. Welcome to yeah. season three, episode three. We're getting into the thick of it. A lot of singing this episode. Uh, how are you, Ned? I'm great. I'm loving this singing. It's our first musical episode. <laughs> it's great. Welcome to season three, episode three. Yeah, I'm about to say, we're getting very distracted, but you know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fancy. I'm feeling free. I'm really liking season three. I thought this was a fun, so I thought I. this continued the fun episodes that we've had. And you want to just dive into these top of show facts? I would love to dive in. <laughs> so season three, episode three, this episode premiered October 8th, 2006 and was written by a new writer. We got some new writers in the house. Bob Daly. Uh, oh. It's been a while since we've had anybody new. So I dove into what he did before Desperate Housewives. And he was one of the original writers on the Rugrats. <gasps> Fucking 10 out of 10 five star show. I loved that show. The movies. Oh, don't even get me started. And then after Rugrats, he moved to Frasier. In the night, in the late nineties, and during his time on that show, he won multiple Writers Guild awards. And then after that, he came to Desperate Housewives. And since this sh- this show has ended, he has gone on to be the producer and showrunner of a couple more TV shows, including a reboot of The Odd Couple and Superior Donuts, an adaptation of the tr- of uh, is it Tracy Letts? It's a play. It was a Broadway play. Um, he adapted that for a television show a couple years ago. So he's still working, still making TV shows. Bob oh, Daly, wow. our writer. Good for him. And it was directed by Wendy Stanzler, who we've had before. Very Brady sequel. We love her. For hashtag Sondheim Watch, A Weekend in the Country is from the Sondheim musical A Little Night Music. And for Wisteria International, most countries, including Italy, had the same name. Uh, I was blown away. Uh, but there was one big difference that in France it was called A Burden to Carry. Ooh. And awards update. Eva Longoria actually submitted this for Emmy consideration. This episode specifically, but was not chosen. But that didn't mean she didn't kill it. Yeah. I would have given her an Emmy for that suitcase scene alone. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> for being in the suitcase. Spoiler alert. Uh, I would have given her uh, 8,000 awards for fitting her body into a suitcase. Oh, my God. Yeah, same. That was wild. And we'll talk about I it more when we get there. I Oh, <laughs> I shit my pants. I was screaming. Uh, and that's all I got for top of the episode. Whoa. Should we get right into the episode? Get right in. Submerge me. Oh. Submerge me. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lowering you into a vat of acid. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm just like up on strings being lowered into uh into a vat. That's what I would like. A vat of desperate housewives. <laughs> just a vat of apples. Um, Juicy. <laughs> we start off with Orson Hodge dreaming of the perfect honeymoon. He's always dreamed of the perfect honeymoon, right? Of course. He started to plan it the moment he met Brie. Weird. Like, whoa. <laughs> He met he met Brie Vandekam and he was like I'm gonna I'm gonna freaking marry I'm gonna him. go to Maui with this bitch, <laughs> truly. <laughs> um, and we kind of go through the honeymoon, uh, landing having poolside drinks and lots of sex, boning, just boning down. Uh, I thought the scene when they come back uh, at first was kind of cute. Oh yeah, like hello, Mr. Hodge, Mrs. Hodge, like them, yeah. them, them being. It's that you know that newlywed bliss. You're in the yeah. I mean, they're they're only six months into this relationship. They're still in the honeymoon phase emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. They're kind of talking amongst each other, and then Orson is like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go get a coffee real quick." And when he goes to get a coffee, Brie turns her attention to the TV, and uh, the reporter is doing a story on homeless youth. Mm-hmm. And who else would come up on the TV in this moment? Our gay prince. But, yes, our gay prince, Andrew's back. Andrew. It's it's not been that long, but it feels like 10 years. It feels like so long. And I mean, God, in the show, how long has it been? I think maybe he mentions later like seven months, seven or eight months it's been since well, yeah, in the show we've seen Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, because she left him on the side of the road, and then there were still, like, five more episodes, no, probably not five, probably, like, three more episodes in the season, mm-hmm. and then they did a time skip, so yes, about seven months, and I he's mean, been on his own. Think about when this was airing, like, it probably had been about that long for audiences as well, like, it had been real time, people who were returning to the show, it had been seven, eight months since they've seen... Andrew, I wonder if this was a big return for people, I, or I wonder if yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad to see him back. This was this was. I'm glad. I'm I'm sad that he has gotten into this situation, but I am glad to see him. And Bree is yeah. horrified by this. Bree is horrified ho- to see that how um how in need Andrew is of her help, and of just and I think she's just sad to see what's happened to him. Yeah, and. There's like an old woman watching with her and goes, some people just shouldn't have kids. <laughs> that was an, uh, a burn that because he because I think he mentions like, yeah, my mom abandoned me and that's why I'm here. And that's and I'm like, yeah, that lady's valid. <laughs> she is. She really is. Let's me the episode for that epic burn. She's already in the bucket. She let herself in. She did. She went, ah, oh, some people sh- shouldn't pick lesbians in the episode. I'm already in here. <laughs> and when Orson comes back, Brie says, 
I have to go get my child. He's on the TV. Yes, queen. And then Orson tries to be like, come on, we're going to Bermuda. We can check on him when we get back. But I, I did really like her response yes. to this, where it's, do not make me choose between you and my child because you will lose. I loved that as well. I was like, yes, queen, we love to see it. Because in terms of like with George, right? Like she consistently ch- like chose... Even with Rex, she consistently chose Rex over Andrew's feelings or, or in like herself over Andrew's feelings. She chose George over Andrew's feelings. Like Andrew knew George was bad news bears and Brie didn't believe him. And I feel like she's consistently chosen other people over Andrew. And so, yeah, I love this. I think that she is seeing the consequences of her actions and is horrified by them. And I loved this immediate wanting to jump into action to save Andrew. Because she has a lot of making up to do. She has a lot of atonement to to do for him. Because this is her fault. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And that was such a fucking red flag about Orson. Yeah. If I, my partner did that, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is literally my child, yeah. dude. Especially because, like, it's not as if... You can't go another time. Yeah. Get Andrew home rehabilitate him help him let's get this relationship back on track and then maybe you all take a family vacation yeah you all can go to bermuda i think it's also because orson is very much like i i clean i have things done my way and if it's not done my way Mm -hmm. then i can get upset and so i've I feel like this honeymoon was part of that. Like, I have this honeymoon planned out, and I need this to happen. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. No, but I I think it's just him being kind of uptight in a way, but I I don't think uh, he should have tried to get her to go still, yeah. No, and I also think that's something else he has in common with Brie is that he cares about appearances a lot, and so I'm sure that, like, this is an optic maybe he doesn't want in the family. I don't know. It's kind of confusing because what we see later, which we'll get into, is a little strange to me with him and Andrew. Yeah. So we'll get into it later, though. Yeah. For now, we are cutting to a holiday weekend on the lane. Yeah. Everybody's packing. We get the Mary Alice monologue, and she's describing what everybody is trying to get away from. Lynette is trying to get away from the tension in her marriage. Gabby is getting away from, like, her bitter divorce. Gabby and Lynette going on a little vacay together? Oh, a trip for the girls. Lesbians of the episode going on a little... They're going on their little honeymoon together. I mean, yeah. Le- I, they really and are. And then in the little didn't, massage parlor later. Didn't they... Didn't last episode they won Lesbians of the episode? <laughs> You're right. I'll still nominate them. Well, yeah. Maybe they're building. They're building. Maybe they're building to a Gabby <gasps> Lynette romance. Oh my God, you're so right. This is the episode where they kiss. I'm Boo Boo the Fool, but <laughs> yes. We see a shot of Gabby and her like model project. I don't know. Which I thought was very funny. It's just like, it's like, not that G- Julie is trying to get away from anything. There's just a shot of her in here. Oh, uh, Julie. And then- I thought you said Gabby and her model project. And I was like, what? Oh. Maybe I did on accident. <laughs> I was super who confused. Knows? I was like, who are you talking about? You know, Gabby and her school project. <laughs> well, you said model project. And I was like, is Gabby modeling again? I was just like <laughs> all confused everywhere around. But I just, I love um, you. So I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Watch us listen back, and I did say Julie. <laughs> you know what, audience? The shenanigans are high today. I think we also see if Susan's leaving to go to the mountains with fucking... I... Ian. I am we over out- him. Three episodes in, yeah. I was o- I didn't like him. his fucking vibes last episode. The vibes got more rancid this episode. They did. I would also like to point out that Mary Alice says that Susan is trying to like run away from her guilt around being in a relationship with oh <laughs> or like a quote unquote relationship with Ian when Mike is still in the picture um which is weird also running away from the guild by going off to the mountains with him I'm confused Truly. what the fuck that's about and after this kind of monologue we center in on the Hodge home, not Vandekamp home. It's the Hodge home now. Bree is on the phone trying to find the reporter, and they kind of just give her a neighborhood, I think, at this point. And <laughs> this was wild. Danielle is like annoyed <laughs> that they're looking yeah. for Andrew. Uh, is her hair crimped in this scene as well? I. I think it was. I, I loved her hair so much. Ago. I nominated it for Lot. <laughs> the crimped hair. I, w- I yes, yes. Put that in the bucket, please. Uh, she's please. just like I... being a bitch <laughs> about her brother. I was like, dude, what the fuck? But then she rightfully blames Brie about it. I'm confused by Danielle. Can I say? What's up? Please say. This is, I, this is the only time I, I've liked Danielle. I thought she was being fucking wild. She was really funny. <laughs> And it, it it was just nice to see her be able to, like, do something. Because I feel like whenever she's given lines, she's just kind of saying them. And, like, that's it. It is nice to have but, her have a point of view about something. Yeah. You know, like characters have. <laughs> yeah. So props to you, Danielle, and your crimped hair. <laughs> I liked you, even though you were being a huge bitch. You know, she's kind of <laughs> angsty. You know, maybe she's reverting back to her goth phase. Please, 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 please. God, please. God, Danielle, I would love. I, you know I, what? I want by the end of this podcast to be a Danielle stan. I've decided me that. Me too. I would like the the arc for you and I to be that we become Danielle stans. I'm putting that in the inter- in the universe. And then we get her on the podcast. Joy Lauren, come hang out. And we say, we're so sorry, Joy Lauren. We're so sorry. We need Andrea Bowen and we need Joy Lauren. We need just the daughters of Wisteria Lane. Please. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That's our spinoff series that we pitched to ABC, the daughters of Wisteria. And it's like Danielle and Julie. And that's it right now. <laughs> but, um, but it's the two of them. No, and Penny. Oh, Penny. Penny. It's the Daughters of Wisteria, and it's just all the... Do- it's just... It's it's Desperate Housewives, but, like, the next generation. Like, Degrassi or Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you know that Degrassi, the next generation, was named after Star Trek, the next generation? That is the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. Degra- you know, Degrassi kind of slaps. It... It does, Uh, and it's streaming right now, so if anybody can go watch Degrassi, if they want to start a podcast, let me know. (laughs) Invite us. I would love that. Or co-host it with Ned. Uh, What were we talking about? Danielle. Danielle. uh, (laughs) Yeah, she's being a bitch, being like, I don't want a little baby brother no more, but then also, but I do, like I said, I do agree with her blaming Brie for abandoning him. 
Like that, I understand, like, like we talked about it when it happened, right? Like we, in the context of what was happening, understand where Brie was coming from, but it went too far. You know what I mean? Like it's been eight months and clearly he wasn't given the independence he wanted. He was abandoned. You know what I mean? So uh, I did like I did like Danielle calling that out, and that happens throughout the episode. And I think mm-hmm. it's what Brie wants. I think Brie feels bad and doesn't want people to pretend like what she did isn't bad. Yeah, because this is the scene where she comes clean, right? Yeah, because yeah, Orson, we realize, and maybe this contextualizes his uh reaction in the first scene for me that he didn't have the whole story. He thought Andrew ran away on his own volition, mm-hmm. which. Even if he had run away on his own volition, if you see your kid yeah. on the news, you should probably still go get them. Especially if you know that, like, his mother is actively looking for him. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of tells him everything that happened. And yet another red flag, him being like, I think what you did was right. I think yeah. you should just leave him alone. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's just like, you did what you had to. <sighs> I understand supporting your partner. And there are times, you know, so I'm in the, you know, I'm in a committed long-term relationship. There are times where, yeah, like sometimes you just need to support your partner's choices, even if you don't always agree with them. But sometimes I think a healthy relationship is being able to like tell your partner the truth and tell Mm -hmm. them like, hey, that thing you did was not a good choice. Like, let's talk about it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was weird. I just want more of a sense of who Orson is. Like, we haven't seen that much of him. And I just, I... I can't get a vibe because he's just so flip floppy right now for me. Yeah, he. I feel like his. It, literally, the show is just relying on him saying kind of vaguely threatening things and then mm-hmm. doing like a do 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 music behind him. Uh, but I haven't. Yeah, I don't have a sense of the character right now, other than maybe he killed his wife and they're kind of banking on that being the one thing we think about with him. But I like. Yeah, I mm-hmm. want to see more depth to him yeah and this conversation happens in front of danielle and danielle then pipes in and goes you know andrew's not the only one having a rough year (laughs) (laughs) sorry your danielle impression is so funny to me the thing is she's right she is right she mentions that matthew died in front of her she was, the way she says it. It's the way yeah. she says it. My boyfriend died in front of me. Okay. <laughs> like, like, Danielle, quick question, babe. Do you care? Do you care that that happened? Like, what? This is, I know I complained about this in the first episode, how they how, were, one, not showing Danielle, and two, not talking about the fact that she experienced some trauma. And then the one time they do it, it's like an end of scene button, and it's so bad. Mm-hmm. This was so poorly done. Because <laughs> I, I want to care about Danielle. And I do agree that this was a rough thing. Like, she was, like, falling in love with this guy, about to run away with him, like, about to, like, go be Bonnie. She did and, run away I with mean, him. yeah, go be, like, Bonnie and fucking Clyde with this guy. Like, she was like you know as far as we're aware he might be her first love because she's only like 17 16 and i i wish they would have let danielle have any feelings about this other than like to be fair she had all of her feelings in the six months that were skipped you're right you're right wait we gotta get that spinoff that's just those six months from danielle's point of view yes 
It's the grittiest TV show you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's like when they take just things that absolutely don't need dark reboots and they do that. That's us with Danielle. Yes. And then we cut to a couple's massage. Oh. I think this is where oh. I wrote Lote down because but it all, it remains this this date that that Gabby and Lynette are having. Lesbians do the episode. Yes, I agree. <laughs> There is a call on Gabby's phone. At first, I thought this was maybe Carlos's lawyer calling or something like that. But we quickly find out that it is Tom. So the phone gets handed over to Lynette. And we find out that Tom threw out his back again camping with the kids. Season one throwback. Yeah. We love a callback. Tom's muscle relaxers aren't working. So Lynette has to leave her couple's getaway and go pick Tom up. And the kids up, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm worried about their relation only because I, I feel better about it later in the episode. But in this moment, I was like, I'm so worried about their relationship because I think is this where she tells Gabby, like, I need this time away or else I'm going to resent. I'm going to resent him because of mm-hmm. something that I don't think is a mistake. I, I know that he did it and that, like, we're dealing with it. But, like, I'm worried that my resentment for Nora will morph into resentment for my husband. And I'm just yeah. I'm worried about the Scavos. I am also worried about the Scavos. I think that this trip, um, I agree with you about what you said. But, yeah, I think this trip is to not only get away from Tom, but to get away from Nora. Yeah, <laughs> which, LOL, later in this episode, we'll see. But for now... We cut to Susan and Creepy Ian Ugh, he's been in a oh, cabin so in the woods. He's fucking horny. He's so horny. I was, I hated this. She, like, he was like, uh, um, well, uh, there's my room and there's the guest room. And if you want to sleep in my room, I'll take the guest room. I'll do it. Uh, I just, if this was Mike, it'd be sexy and fun and flirty. Yes. But with them, it is like watching two pieces of cardboard act together. Like, it is... I'm someone who... I like Terry Hatcher. I like Susan and Terry Hatcher. Like, I think she's fun. But I don't... Just their chemistry is non-existent. Yes. I was just going to say they have absolutely none. They're really bad lab partners. (laughs) Yes, the lack of chemistry is fully astounding. And I don't know if it's on purpose or if these actors just literally don't have any chemistry at all. I think that they just don't have any chemistry. I think that they just went, we need a British guy. (laughs) But yeah, we are still on this scene because we have to get some comedy in there where they switch luggage. They go to their separate rooms. Susan opens up her, like... Ian's luggage and finds a whole roll of condoms. Ian opens up and finds lingerie. Gotta get that whole roll of condies. And I think they just trade luggage back and then go to their rooms and that's it. I am so deeply bored by this couple, I can't believe. Yeah. And then we cut to Lynette. She's home again, getting ready to leave to pick up Tom. And Nora pops up. Oh, God. (laughs) She wants to come with. Because she's in love with Lynette. She's in love with Lynette. This is her excuse to go on an eight-hour car ride. And I think, isn't this scene, I I feel like I blacked out in this scene. Isn't this mostly just Nora kind of yelling at Lynette, as she always is, about how you think you're so much better than me, don't you, Lynette? Yeah. That's my Nora impression, I guess. I, I loved it. <laughs> she kind of sounds like an angry bird. And not the video game series, just a bird who is angry. <laughs> 
Hey, Ned, I have a question. Sure. Did you shit your pants in this next scene? I did. I did. We quickly then cut to Gabby. We get a little mid-episode Mary Alice voiceover saying that Gabby was originally looking forward to a dinner alone with her thoughts, but her thoughts quickly went to her divorce because she is seeing just a bounty of happy couples together, and she kind of gets up to leave, and who else does she run into but John fucking Tucker. I was like, what? I was like, what? He's all he's all grown up. He's wearing a suit. He has a soul patch. He has he still ha- I feel like he had a soul patch before. Did he? I thought he was clean shaven. I thought this was supposed no. to show that he's aged. Oh. Maybe so. I thought he always had it. I mean, it's barely there. It look it could be, if you looked wrong, if you glanced, it looks like a shadow. <laughs> it's the it's the most non-present facial hair I've ever seen on a man in my life. But we don't spend a lot of time with John Tucker right now because we have to cut. I can't wait till we get to the later scenes because I want to hear your thoughts on the return of of the of John Tucker. Oh, oh, I have thoughts. I yeah, I have complicated thoughts. But first, we see Brie kind of walking around this, like, amorphous downtown district we've seen a couple times. I feel like whenever they go to the bad part of town, it's just, like, this one street, I guess. Uh, And she runs into a sex worker named Pearly Gates, who is adjusting her shoes. Uh, And I loved her. I loved Pearly Gates. I was kind of holding my breath through this whole scene. Expecting transphobia, but I don't think we really got it. No, Brie was, was like, just kind of weirded out. I kind of liked at the end when she was like, how delightful. Like, yeah. I don't know. Brie could have been terrible and she wasn't. So I was I was oh, like yeah. excited that there was not blatant transphobia in the show at this point. Yeah. And we talked about this earlier, but I feel like the show was trying to do something weird. Um, but again, like this is not your target audience for seeing it as such. I loved her. I thought she was great. She was really sweet yeah. and help- helpful. She, I should say she points Brie in the direction of the soup kitchen, uh, says Andrew's handsome and is like, I hope you find him. Like she was like really nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure that it originally intended her presence alone was probably made to make people feel uncomfortable, right? Made to be mm-hmm. like, oh, they're on a really bad part of town, huh? But yeah, us as queer people see her and we're like, oh, she rocks. I thought she was great. Yeah. And we talked about this offline, but her name is literally, she says her name. She has a whole bit about it. And in the credits of the show, she is still credited as a really outdated term for trans people, which... I was just like, what's the fucking, like, what? You gave the character a name. Why would you still credit her as as something? Like, that's just, that just feels weird. Hollywood is fucked. Hollywood is deeply fucked. Uh, and I did look up, I, I was expecting to see this, but I wanted to look it up just in case. Uh, Pearly is played by a cis male actor. As far as I can tell, he's cis. I only saw he, him pronouns on the interwebs. Uh, he's a gay actor. And I was uh, telling Ned offline, I'm noticing that he frequently plays trans women like a lot in TV shows on Dexter and uh, a lot of d- drag roles as well. So, I mean, like, you know, there's still that ickiness there that it's a six, uh, cis actor playing a trans role. But I was like, in terms of the show, I was happy that they weren't gross to her. Yeah, I agree. I love Pearly Gates. I want a spinoff. Where's my spinoff of Pearly Gates? We recast. Pearly Gates and Edie. Oh, and Danielle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, through a wild card. Like, 
I feel like Pearly and Edie would get along so well. I oh, feel like yeah. they would fucking run would the town. They would fall in love. They would run the town. They would. That would be the best. That would be the. That might be a little bit better than Edie and the Hoobs for me, but not. But not at all. Really, like just up there with Edie and the Hoobs mm-hmm. in terms of my spinoffs <laughs> that I love. Uh, but that's uh, mostly that scene. We then cut to Susan and Edie. Susan and Edie. I Where's my mind? Fucking wish you know where your mind is. <laughs> In the gutter. No, uh, I wish it was Susan and Edie. God, yeah, I wish. but it's Susan and Ian. We got we got brandy. We got fire. We got a bearskin rug. We got we got the woods. We got Gerald's game. Uh, how romantic. <laughs> I appreciate the shout out for Brandy. Yeah. Brandy's great. <laughs> um, That's the one good part of the scene is that Brandy was playing. This is the scene where we find out that Ian has been with his wife since they were 12 years old. Wild. And so he's only been with her his whole life. He's only ever had sex with one woman. Sexually, yes. Sexually. Sexually. And he wants to know how many partners that Susan has had, which, what it doesn't matter. What's the point, King? What's, What's the, the point? point, man? I hate this trope so much. I feel like that this happens in TV shows a lot, where it's like, if a guy finds out his, his lady partner, usually a straight guy, finds out his partner has been with more people than he has, he gets self-conscious about, like, all these men you've been with, all these guys that have been inside you, and blah, 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 blah. And I just hate that trope because what's the fucking point yeah <laughs> and honestly like you know she said 11 people like for a person in her 40s right who presumably dated went to college did things was married then probably dated after that divorce you know what i mean like i think 11 makes total sense for a person in their 40s who's done a lot of she's done a lot of dates. we alone on this show have seen her on like five dates <laughs> like yeah we, like it doesn't that's just not weird I don't know. I fucking hate insecure men like this on TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yet another reason why Ian is annoying the shit out of me. <laughs> He's a weird creep. And that's that scene. And then we cut to John Tucker and Gabby. They are walking. It's romantic. It's outdoors. And we find out that John has a company. Yeah. And he is talking about having his own gardening show on TV. Yeah. And isn't he trying to get like a contract with the hotel chain she's at or something? Yeah. Uh, or he's like getting one or has one or that was what started the company or something like that. And it comes up later, I think, more importantly, but he is connected to this hotel chain in terms of doing the landscaping for, uh, I don't know, the Hilton, wherever they're staying at. Um He's so mature and confident. He's so mature. He doesn't call her Mrs. Solis anymore. He called I her Gabrielle. I also shot my pants when he called her Gabrielle. I, I was like, what happened to Mrs. Solis? I hated it, but what happened to it? <laughs> I mean, she points it out. She's like, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> Gabby is uh, she ready. Up. She's horned up. She's ready. I mean, the thing is. I don't know. I have very complicated feelings about this. Well, he's like 19 now. 20-ish, maybe? Because 20-ish? I don't know. Because he was like 18 the last time we saw him. And it's only been like... I think because season one was... He was 16. And then they fudged. They fudged like near the end of that season, right? 
to make mm-hmm. him 18. They like, they started, or was that season two? It all blurs together. All I know is that they fudged eventually to make him 18 so that it was less illegal. He's probably close to 20, I would say. Maybe. I guess I assumed he was 20. I don't know why. Yeah, I would say he's like, tw- he's probably 20. I would say season one, 18, and then season two, 19, 20 now. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know. I was, my first thought was like, well, you know, she's single and he's of age. But then my second thought was, well, she did groom him. Yeah. So I just have a lot of weird feelings because I'm like, I guess y'all could technically legally and not in a gross way be together but there's always that underlying grossness that you were with him when he was underage and so I just Mm -hmm. feel very complicated feelings I think I would like Gabby to just be with a man she's never been with before yeah I want to see her with someone fresh yeah give Gabby a new romance option challenge yeah that's the challenge I'm issuing to the show yeah I've never seen Gabby like actively pursuing a romance it might be i think it would be fun to see her date someone with no baggage attached to it right because even if she got with john which we'll talk about it but by the end of the episode i don't foresee that happening right i think this was felt kind of actually like better closure for me this whole episode Mm -hmm. between the two of them felt like kind of a another level of closure for this relationship but yeah i just yeah i i would like i would like her to date somebody new it'd be really nice to see that Mm mm-hmm and guess what? Tell me. They're making out. They are. They're sloshing tongues. <laughs> I've never heard that word in my life. It's, it's very common. Sloshing, sloshing tongues. tongues. Add that to the wisteria gaze lexicon. That was me adding it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I liked the foley. Um, And that's that scene. We kind of close that scene with them making out. Yes. And then we cut to Nora eating seeds in the car, and Lynette is trapped in a car with somebody that she doesn't be trapped in a car with. Yeah, we got there eventually. Yeah, watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, everybody. A lot of TV show wrecks in this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When she threw it out and it came right back into the car, that was funny. (laughs) That was very funny. They're getting into a scuffle, as always. Nora's doing her why do you always pick on me spiel and Lynette says this really gross comment about like you need medication yeah because you're crazy and I'm like okay well as a person who takes medication yeah. that is not always not always that is not the case like people can take medication that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them it's just chemical imbalances and trying to get like things under control so you can live your life yeah i didn't like the way there was some there was some clunky language around Nora's mental health i was not crazy about mm-hmm. in this episode it's perfectly normal and fine to be on medication absolutely <laughs> absolutely and if you need help seek it out because yeah getting help is one of the best things you can do for yourself as a person existing in this world where the ocean's on fire you know Woo. <laughs> <laughs> we are advocates we are advocates for mental health please yes uh i did not love nora almost crashing the car girl chill out please please queen and then it gets a little weird the opening of ladybird happens because <laughs> because there's like a weird insinuation that lynette wants nora to kill herself because mm-hmm. 
Nora's like, wouldn't you love that? And Lynette doesn't say no. Lynette's like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'll talk about it later, maybe. But I think I am going to go where most Desperate Housewives fans have not gone before. Are you ready? You see this door? I'm this door. I have the, my hand on the handle. Yeah. Okay. I'm opening the door. I've opened it. Inside, you'll see it's just a sign that says Nora Defense Squad. <gasps> There's dust yeah. covering it. <laughs> Barely anyone has touched the sign for Nora Defense Squad, but I think later I kind of actually feel for Nora later in the episode. I mean, this part as well yeah. do you mind if i oh, no, if i if back. i brush with you Br- brush with uh, the me. dust off brush the dust off of the nora defense squad poster i i wonder how controversial this take is gonna be but yeah the fact that nora starts saying that like she's just gonna hitch a ride to the campsite and she starts trying to look for somebody and like that is a dangerous thing to do yeah especially if you are a woman yeah. Um, yes. And Has she not seen Showgirls? <laughs> the fact that Lynette just lets her go off, because Lynette has this whole spiel where she goes like, you want me to come after you, you want me to do this, and I'm not going to, so goodbye. This is not a situation in which you can treat Nora like one of your children. No. Uh, which Lynette is doing, because Lynette, if we can remember... Left her children on the side of the road to drive around the block. Oh yeah. Um. So this this felt like that to me. That's this felt like comparison, yeah. This felt like Lynette trying to teach Nora a lesson, but not thinking about the real world. Uh, I can't think of the word implications. The only word I can. Yeah, connotations that come with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that Lynette is. I will say Lynette is valid in like. One point, like, I think that when she calls Nora manipulative, I do agree with yes. that. I think Nora is a manipulative person. Um, I think that is rooted in just her mental health and, like, the way she has to go through the world. And I think we learn more about that later. But uh, I agree that Nora is manipulative. Like, we've talked about that in previous episodes. Yes. I think she uses Kayla as a bargaining chip. I think she uses her the fact that she has this bargaining chip of this child to manipulate the Scabo family. I fully agree with that with Mm -hmm. when Lynette says that, but yeah, I I don't, I I don't think that she should have let Nora go because thankfully we see later that something worse didn't happen to Nora, but it could have, you know what I mean? Something very bad could have happened to Nora in that moment. And I think that Lynette would have felt horrible about that had something happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oof. Big oof. Oofa doofa. I said it this time. Oofa doofa. <laughs> oofa doofa. Oh, that's another one for the lexicon. Uh, then we cut to God, Goddess Julie. Julie. She's working on her model. Uh, I assumed, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, I assume this is a hobby and not for school. I just... I like the thought of Julie doing just model work in her free time, uh, but that's not the case. <laughs> it is for school, and the power goes out. Yeah, and it's such a shame because the only person on the lane is the is is the shirtless bad boy with a heart of gold. <laughs> 
I did at first was like, why the fuck did she go to Edie's house first? But then I like thought in my little brain, my little pea brain, Brie is off finding Andrew. Gabby is off at a hotel fucking John Tucker. Susan's in the woods. Lynette is in a car. Everyone really is gone. I like, Mm -hmm. I bet that she probably did go to everyone's house and then was like, where the fuck is the entire neighborhood? Kluski's on vacation in the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She took the Bermuda trip. <laughs> she took yes. the tickets from Orson. Uh, yeah, so that really did only leave this this underwear-clad hot boy. They have a little flirtation. I, I The thing is, I don't hate this. I don't hate no. this relationship, if I'm being honest. Neither do I. I think he's cute. <laughs> I think he's, he's cute, and he's... Yeah, he's a little bad boy, kind of sexy. I love it. I love a bad boy with a heart of gold. Yes. He comes over to fix the breaker and, oh no, he has to show her what to do and they have to be in the small closet together. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, I love how he was like, uh, hey, you should come watch me do this so you can do it next time. And she just stood in front of him, like in the way. He just stood it's in like, the way. It's like, let me show you how to throw a bowling ball. And it's like, <laughs> does the thing where it's like he takes her hand and just flips the switch. Yes. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Oy vey. Um, but a little bit before that, I think, we shift away from her getting him to come over and fix the breaker. Because we got to go back to Ian and Susan. He apologizes, and they shift into fuck mode. I'm sorry. I thought of the Seinfeld <laughs> meme. I got to shift into fuck mode. I've got to shift into fuck mode. That is... Ned, you know me so good. That is exactly 100% what I was referencing. <laughs> My favorite is I, I've, I've made one that just says I've got to shift into dyke mode that I love sending Rachel. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, they, they shifted into fuck mode. But then he ruins it again. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to have sex with this man. He's an idiot. Susan, please. He's an idiot. Susan says in this scene that she doesn't want, like, being his second lover to turn into something really deep, which I can respect from her. Like, she's laying it out there. And then he's like, yeah, let's have meaningless sex. And then she's like, I don't want it to be meaningless. Like, I care about you, but I don't want to be your wife. And then he's like, oh, so... Out of all of the 11 people you've had sex with, sorry, out of all of the 11 people you've had sex with, you've had meaningful sex with all of them. And she's like, you can suck my fucking ass, Ian. (laughs) Ian, And that's what I wish she said. Here's a straw, you British bitch. Yes. Is this the scene where he says just British phrases to try to be charming? Where he's like, Mm -hmm. um, Susan... Pip pipped, cheerio, tally. Like, is that like? I was like, what do you fucking think you're doing? <laughs> what? Jesus. Um. God, that reminds me of when I went to London for, to study abroad. I went into a gas station and a guy was trying to hit on me, and he went, "Your accent is so cute." And I was like, "What? No, it's not. I sound <laughs> like a dumb American. I do not have a cute accent, you piece of shit." Uh. Uh, when men hit on me, what a wild experience. But that's kind of that scene, right? Mm-hmm. That's that scene because we cut to Andrew at the soup kitchen. Yes, King, our little prince. And Bree walks in looking for him, asking if anybody has seen him. 
He kind of notices, tries to get out without her seeing, but she stops him. Mm -hmm. She wants him to come home. She says she's sorry. And he replies with like, listen, you dumped me at a gas station seven months ago. Like, I am not the Andrew that you knew seven months ago. Like, I've had to fight for my life. Yeah. I've had to live off of nothing. Yeah. Or like, the money you gave me ran out, you know? Yeah. Because he is, he's a kid. It's sad. Dude. No, I, I really feel for Andrew in this, in this whole arc. I feel for Andrew. I, he's totally right. And he's totally right to be angry at her is the thing. He has every yeah. fucking right on earth to be angry at her for what she did. Like he messed up a lot, right? He did a lot. He did some bad things. I think having sex with Peter was a really bad thing to do, but I also think that I don't know. I just really don't think that he deserved to be abandoned. And, and yeah, I just don't think he deserved to be abandoned. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is really complicated. And I feel it feel so bad for him. And I love him so much. And I want him to be safe. <laughs> but he's able to run yeah. away from her. Yes. He runs across the street. There's too much traffic. Bree can't really get to him. How do you feel about it? And then it didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. Oh, I, I I just feel really bad for Andrew. Like, the whole situation sucks for him. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. And I know that's not, like, an intelligent way to put it. No, I, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to articulate, I think. But he does have a point yeah. in saying, like, you dumped me. You, you did this to me. And now... And now I am different because of it. Yeah. Like, that's hard. It's so, it's so hard to, you know, like he, I mean, I can't imagine what he's had to go through these last seven months physically. Yes. Just trying to fight to survive and eat and have a place to sleep, but also emotionally what he's had to go Mm -hmm. through by, we see a bit of it when, then the moment he's dropped off. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We see his heart breaking. We see him realizing that his mother has stopped loving him in his eyes. And then mm-hmm. having to just sit in that for however many months it's been. And so it makes sense that when she returns to him, this hatred probably has just... It's in his pores now. And now let's cut to Lynette eating a borgle. <laughs> uh, and she sees Nora on the side of the road. So she stops... We find out in this situation why Nora is on the side of the road. The driver tried to touch her boob, so she hit him with his bong, and she got out. We love to see it. We don't love to see what happened to her. We love to see her getting away from him. Yes, we love to see justice. Yes, justice. And this is this is where I'm... The dust, we've, we've, we've gotten all the dust off of this sign for the Nora Defense Squad. I'm picking up the sign for the Nora Defense Squad, and I'm holding it high. I'm holding your hand as we as I hold this up because yeah like I think this was an interesting scene where we got to finally get another layer of Nora because I feel like this whole time we have just had like she's annoying she's loud her boobs are out blah 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 we've gotten like this very surface level but we're finally like Shrek peeling back the layers of this onion that is Nora and I enjoyed it I enjoyed her saying like I am sorry for how I've been acting, but when you made the suicide crack, it really hurt me. And without saying it, with sort of 
through looks and insinuations we i think we can i think we can assume nora has either attempted suicide before or has had thoughts of suicide before and that just made me really sad yeah because i think that as a single mom she's and like clearly someone who doesn't have like a great great job clearly she's probably had a life of of some struggle and that might be a huge reason why she acts the way she does and i actually really liked her kind of admitting like she's jealous of Lynette because Lynette has a husband and a house and, and is a super mom and has a cool job. Like Lynette feels exhausted in her life, but she has a lot of privilege and a lot of good things in her life where Nora does not. And I, I liked, I liked this scene a lot because it kind of mm-hmm. um, pulls that out a bit. So that's me. I'm on the Nora defense squad. I think, I think, I think I understand yeah. Nora a little bit better now. I'm standing right behind you. Thank you. <laughs> Put your arms around me like we're in Titanic. Of course. Oh, thank you. Any day. A warm embrace. How did you feel about this scene? I also felt bad for Nora. I just, you know, just because, like, we think she's annoying sometimes doesn't mean she's not a person. Yeah. And I thought this was a really good scene in, like, just breaking down to the person that Nora is and not just like the manipulative parts, not just the bad, just, just something about her. Um, I also really liked, and maybe I, I didn't like this for Tom and Lynette, but I really liked that she brought up Tom not wanting to do advertising anymore. Like he confided in her that he really doesn't like the ad game and he just wants to do something else with his life because he's probably just afraid to tell Lynette that because Lynette, um, when it comes to like supporting the family is very much, uh, she's a provider Mm -hmm. and she, if she can't be the one providing, she wants, or if she is the sole provider, she wants her partner to be providing as well, Mm -hmm. or like on the same level as she is. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting aspect to the scene as well, that that was, like, information that Tom thought he could rely on, like, Nora with that he couldn't with Lynette. Yeah, and I think that's probably very... That, I think that was definitely a moment for Lynette of being like, oh, there. Like, I think there's been this... Since Nora's been around, there has been this kind of wedge between her and Tom. And I think she it was her maybe realizing, like, oh, this wedge is affecting me affecting our relationship differently than I thought like I thought that we were a team against Nora but now I realize that like Nora is a solace in some ways for him I also thought Nora was very valid and I I was like oh I, I definitely let out a uh, a snap on that line when she says why would Tom be scared to tell me something and Nora says well you're the kind of person who when someone says they want to kill themselves you say do it yeah i was like jesus nora <laughs> holy cow nora's like coming in hot with 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 those with a with a jab right at our girl lynette uh i was like mm-hmm. jesus christ uh so that was interesting and i actually really love the way it comes back later too i hope that this yeah, is a same. good a good thing for tom and lynette mm-hmm. for now let's cut back to julie julie and austin they're kind of talking, and Edie walks in and is like, what's going on here? I like how she just bursts in. Yes. <laughs> she just, like, comes um, over. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Austin left a note. I have no fucking clue. Yeah. But she's looking for her CD player. 
and sees that Austin is over and sends him home to make her like a, a gin drink and kind of tells Julie to to back off because he's gonna break your heart yeah because she looked so hot in this scene i was losing my mind in that white dress i have to say it every time Edie's on screen or else i get kicked off the podcast yes but i loved the line where Edie was like or no julie was like yeah i don't like the bad boy routine and Edie is like that's exactly what the good girls say before they become a bad girl and i was like is this julie bad girl era is that what we're oh, about to yes. get? Are we about to get a Julie Batty era? Let's now cut to John Tucker and Gabby. They fucked. They just had sex. And it felt so weird. <laughs> so uh, anyway. <laughs> they have sex. We almost immediately find out that John Tucker is engaged. Dude, that's fucking bad why didn't he say anything yeah. why didn't he mention it's, it you piece of shit it's be yeah his his lover tammy uh <laughs> calls him on the phone and that's how we find out and that's how gabby finds out and god the line where she goes my cheating was upright and honest i wrote that, that down killed that me so funny and basically, the big deal about this is that this girl is basically Paris Hilton because her dad mm-hmm. owns this whole chain of hotels that they're staying at, which he has the yeah. contract at. So obviously, if this girl found out, he would lose a huge portion of his business. Yeah. And like, she's the reason why he's getting a TV show and stuff, I right? Think so I like, think he's just con- like, she's a yeah. big portion of his company I think she's just connected it, and rich and ain't that the way yeah. to get successful <laughs> mm, that's the only way to get successful mm-hmm, mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. of the time yeah uh, we like just 90%. started a desperate housewives podcast and now look, <laughs> look at, at us, us now. <laughs> <laughs> we're a-listers baby oh, yes rubbing uh, elbows with brad pitt that's me I don't know. <laughs> um, we find out that Tammy is on her way up. She is coming up to the suite and Gabby's got to go. So Gabby goes into a suitcase. <laughs> I did have the thought. I was like, oh, my God, did she go in that suitcase? And boy, oh, boy, was I was I greeted with with a con- not only confirmation but the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. The way so she gets left in the elevator. Yeah, because Tammy's horny. She also does not look like someone named Tammy. That was confusing for no. me. No, an- an- there's also another couple in the elevator just with this random suitcase, and she starts like trying to get out. And when she eventually does get out, she like comes out and she sees that there's two other people, and she's just like. I saved a lot on airfare. That was such a funny line, too. Gabby had some banger lines in this episode. Gabby, Gabby's a comedy queen. That's the thing. She is. Gabby's a comedy queen. Oh, give Gabby a new boyfriend and more to do challenge. Mm -hmm. We then cut to Susan in her bed. She hears Ian playing the piano. Or sorry, the piano. (laughs) No, it's piano. Yeah. Do they talk? Did they just kiss? Can I tell you, I was checking like a Discord message and I looked up and the scene was over. So I have, I think they just kissed. I feel like. Yeah, because I don't remember them I talking. I feel like she just walked down and then just like slurped him up. I don't think anything actually yeah. happened. She just started sloshing her Do tongue. Do you know why? 
Why? Because if she dared to have a conversation with him, she would decide not to have sex with him again. That's true. That's true. Every time he talks, <laughs> she realizes, oh, you you suck. Uh, so I feel like she probably in her brain was like, I have to kiss this man before he speaks or we will not have sex. We then cut to Brie gardening and Orson comes out and they have a small conversation about Andrew mm-hmm. here. Uh, he says to just be patient. He'll come home eventually. They always do. And maybe she should take a break. You know, she's been out here for a while. Bree says she doesn't know why Orson is being so understanding. And, like, she she wants him to be hard on her. Mm-hmm. She wants him to acknowledge that what she did was bad. And he's just not doing it. And she wants to know why. Yeah, I thought that was great. I like that she was like, why, like, because he's like, you're too hard on yourself. And she's like, you're not hard enough. I did a terrible mm-hmm. thing. And and uh, I'm glad that they didn't let this go completely either. Because Brie says, like, I have to garden or else I will go drink that bottle of Chardonnay that I cannot stop thinking about in the fridge. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that they didn't let go of that thread of sobriety. Because I feel like after the Peter stuff, that would have been like apt time for her to have a relapse and they didn't really Mm -hmm. they kind of let it go and so i'm glad that they're bringing it back i'm proud of her i'm proud of her for like thinking about it being tempted being upset but in the end ultimately choosing like no i want to stay sober because if andrew comes back into her life i think she should be sober for it you know yeah i agree i don't know i I really i loved this brie scene she was acting her fucking pants off i thought this was a great march across moment oh yeah guess what tell me john and gabby back at it again Oof. Big oof. He was dressed like Carlos in this scene to me. Like the the shirt and it just got very Carlos-y vibes. Also, Carlos just cut his hair that short too. So they did look kind of similar. I would agree. John and Gabby are talking. Gabby's like, when's the next time we're meeting up? And John's like, we're not meeting up. (laughs) This is such a weird scene for me because he says that like, I don't want to have an affair with you because I don't want to be married like that. I don't want to have my marriage, like, fall like that because of, like, uh, this affair or just, like, the lying. I want to have, like, a strong relationship. And I was like, if you want to have a strong relationship, maybe don't cheat on your fiancé in the first place. Yeah, because I bet you if your fiancé knew about this, she wouldn't be your wife. No. Uh, Yeah, that was annoying. I'm like, why did you make this decision after the fact, King? Yeah, I just I just don't understand the thought process behind that. Like, I don't want to be married like that. But, you know, I'm still just engaged. So one time means nothing. Literally. I do like that he cut it off, though. Like, I and I I thought it was interesting because Gabby is disappointed at this. She she wanted Mm -hmm. to keep seeing him. And I like Gabby. I, I had a thought in this moment. I was like, she she liked that he was mature. And honestly, this is the most mature thing he can do. I think the most mature thing to do is to cut this off, nip it in the bud and don't let it go any further. I was happy to see him make a mature choice to, to cut this off. I really like that as well. And then hopefully we can see Gabby with somebody else. Yes, please give Gabby somebody else challenge. But for now we have to go to Orson and Andrew. Yes. Orson finds Andrew just hanging out on the street and offers to give him 50 bucks if he can take him out to lunch mm-hmm. and when they go out to lunch andrew kind of realizes that this is the new husband and 
Orson kind of goes off a little bit on Andrew, just being like, when, like, when will you have punished her enough? Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of wild for me. Um, yeah, I don't agree with the method, but I am glad he is attempting to get Andrew to come home. I, I don't know. I may, I kind of want to watch this scene again because I think I was missing some of the nuance that I do feel was there actually. I, I, it feels like Orson's maybe speaking from personal experience in terms of, because mm-hmm. I think that the, right there, every scene that Orson is in, he has to progress the plots around him, you know, in some way, but he, they also want him to seem menacing. And so I think he's really harping on the fact that he understands the rage Andrew feels and that he himself has been overwhelmed and overcome by his rage. And you have to learn to push past that to forgive and move forward with your life, which is a good thing. Uh, But I don't love Orson centering Bree in the situation because I think that they are both equally hurt, if not honestly, Andrew much more so hurt in the scenario so i didn't love orson kind of centering like you're the one punishing her and it's like well she's the one who abandoned him on the side of the road uh so that was the that was really the line that made me kind of pull back a bit from being on orson's side in the scene yeah uh so it was kind of a harsh method but i as we see later i do like that it was i guess at least enough to make andrew come home Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I, I feel like this is a double-edged sword for me because this scene was confusing, but I I want Andrew home. So Yeah. And that's essentially that scene. Andrew leaves the diner. He's mad. Just kind of taking his food yeah. and walking out. We then cut to a very quick scene with Lynette and Tom. They're in the car together. Uh, and Lynette starts testing the waters a little bit and just being like, you know, if you don't want to do advertisement anymore, I, y- you can look for something else. He looks Do so you excited. want another job? Yeah. And like, I loved how she said, like, whatever you do, I'm in your corner, no matter what. I loved that for them. I think it's going to be a really good jumping point to like, kind of not rebuild, because I don't think anything's been torn down, yeah. but just reconnect a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, I think that the Scavos are, for me in this show, a prime example of sometimes when people have kids, they have to put their own dreams and lives on hold. Right. And I think that sometimes people and even the parents themselves forget that they're like when parents become parents, sometimes they forget that they're also humans with aspirations and, and, and dreams because they have to center their children so much, which makes sense. But like, I don't know. I just think it's, I, I love narr. I like in other movies and TV shows as well. I really like narratives where parents are like, Oh wait, I'm a person. I'm allowed to want things that are for me and not for, you know, the people I take care of. Like, I'm allowed. So I'm excited for, one, I love the Scavos. (laughs) And two, I'm excited to see maybe a new journey Tom goes on. It might be interesting to see Tom, I don't know, just do something new and, like, see Lynette Mm -hmm. be a part of that with him. I, I really, I know that they've had their weird ups and downs, especially in season one, but I just like them as a couple so much. I think they're the only couple, other than, I guess, Mike and Susan, I guess the only married couple that I just, like, I really love. I just really love them. Here's a random prediction. (gasps) Prediction. Tom picks up playing the guitar and wants to start a band. He did mention wanting to play bass for Aerosmith. 
Oh, I didn't catch oh, that. Oh, yeah, because she goes, what's your dream? And he says, I want to play bass for Aerosmith. And she goes, okay, that's a backup plan. <laughs> what if Tom actually becomes the bassist for Aerosmith? I'd scream. <laughs> Steven Tyler comes on Desperate Housewives. Oh, my God. That'd be fucking funny. It's a good prediction. We we got the we got the pepper. We got the little bit of a peppering that, that Tom wants to play bass guitar. And then we cut to Mike and Edie. <laughs> Edie comes in to get her CD player. She gets it. She's kind of looking at him. And she goes, well, I'll get a little peeky at that dick. <laughs> Why was his dick just out? Like, it, like he's wearing a gown. So, like, it's just, like, strategically placed above his dick. It's a cropped gown. <laughs> <laughs> what, if the, <laughs> what if there's just a hole cut in it? Oh, my God. <laughs> and then... <laughs> well he's in a coma and so we have to have his penis readily available at all times for 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 being in a coma yeah that didn't make no sense i no you we have to let his penis breathe (laughs) we have to stretch their limbs we have to bathe them and then and their genitalia must be able to breathe in in the open hospital air uh yeah i uh, you and I, the audience cannot see you and I. As the scene was beginning, we both made it like eye roll faces. I didn't, I didn't love that. That's gross. That's no. a gross thing to do to someone who is uh, unconscious to look at their genitalia. It's a gross thing. I get that. It's like, ooh, Edie loves fucking. Yeah, but on Edie's way out, she stops and she's shocked. <gasps> but then we go into the Mary Alice final monologue. We all carry something with us. Of course, it's nice if we travel with someone who can help lighten the load. We see Lynette and Tom coming back with the kids. But usually, it's easier to just drop what we've been carrying so we can get home that much sooner. Yeah, Andrew arriving home and dropping his bags. Assuming, of course, there will be someone there to greet us when we arrive. We see Gabby returning to an empty home. Why do we clutch at this baggage even when we're desperate to move on? Because we all know there's a chance we might let go too soon. We see Susan and Ian in bed together. This is what uh, I was talking about earlier. This line where Mary Alice says, like, we all know there's a chance we might let go too soon. Combined with Susan's face in this scene, she looks like she regretted sleeping with him. Oh, absolutely. Just, like, eyes wide, just the most dour face. Yeah. So I don't think this was meant to be an actual viable relationship for Susan. Okay. Sorry, Susan. (laughs) Please say her name. Um, I think this is just a foil for her because i don't know if it, it'll be because i'm still sticking to my mike theory that he has amnesia spoiler alert spoiler alert but um uh i feel like ian will complicate things even further for susan uh in a bad way and so i think he's more a foil to her than he is to mike mm, that's interesting Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll definitely complicate things because the final thing we see, what Edie was Mike's shocked eyes. out, shocked out, <laughs> what Edie was shocked about. Mike's eyes are open, baby. Whoa, baby. 
get our Mikey Poo back, maybe. He looks still dead, kind of. <laughs> yes. He looks still in a coma, just his eyes are open yeah, now. So- which is progress. That is the end of the episode. And that was season three, episode three. We need a loat. We do. I Our nominees are that old lady, Gabby and Lynette again, which I don't want to give it to them two in a row. No. And Danielle's hair. I'm, I think I'm voting for Danielle and her hair. <gasps> yes, me too. I think, I, I think I'm voting for like Danielle and her crimped hair. <laughs> yes. Finally, Justice. Oh. Finally. Didn't. No, she didn't win. I think she was nominated with Julie or something at one point. But I think Julie... Danielle was n- nominated for Lote last season for goth Danielle. <gasps> You're right. But this now she's a winner. She's a winner, baby. With her, She's a winner. With her crimped hair. Our lesbian the episode is Danielle and her crimped hair. We love to see it. Hell yeah. And with that, we have been Wisteria Gaze. Desperate Housewives podcast. <laughs> if you want to find us... And connect with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Wisteria Gaze on Twitter and at Wisteria Gaze underscore on Insta, as well as on our website, our little webby, wisteriagaze.com, baby. And on that website, you can find links to our merch page. And to our Patreon. Our Patreon is great. We love our patrons so much. They help support our show. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, it's a also it's a pay what you want. So you can pay truly any amount. The minimum is like $2. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, you can get some fun stuff like episode shoutouts, ad-free episodes, and what else mackenzie show notes show notes and we're gonna cook up some fun extra stuff eventually but also hey maybe we're building to a musical episode you know talking about that earlier so we'd like to shout out our patrons aj annie cheryl elise helena Liv, lydia nadia sarah tom tk vincent thank you so much for being our patrons and supporting the show we love you so much Yes, thank you so much. It means the world. You're the best, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm Britney Spears. (laughs) Free Britney. Free Britney. And if you want to free Britney and subscribe to our Patreon, (laughs) you can go to patreon.com slash wisteriagaze or our website. You want to know what else they can find on our website, Mackenzie? Tell me about it, please. Our Discord. Oh, yes. We I, Yes, yes, yes. Our Discord is awesome because you can come, you can talk with other fans of the show, and you can hang out with us. Our Discord's popping. It's popping. There is a, a spoilery se- series discussion that I am not allowed in, so I have no I idea am. what's there. One we day. have a good time. We have a good time. If you've ever listened to uh, Ned's Prediction Corner and wanted to talk about it uh, and the things they get wrong and the things they get right, that's that's the place to do it. We talk about it a lot in that discussion. But we also have episode-by-episode episode discussion. So if you want to talk about the episode that just aired, that we just talked about, that's also a place you can do it. And also just talk about uh, whether characters are twinks or twonks. That was happening this week. We just kind of have a fun, fun little community, fun little group of friends going on over there. And you can join by heading to our website. Hell yeah. What's our website again, Mackenzie? Oh, it's wisteriagays.com. Hell. Or wisteria.gay. Hell yeah, hell yeah. You can also yeah. go to that. <laughs> You know what I love? What do you love? Me? Rev- uh, well, yes, you. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But also, but also, <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Whoa. 
I love reviews so much. I know you love them too. They make our day. They help yeah. people find the show. Holy shit. At the end of every episode, we love posing a question just to get those reduces flowing. You never have to answer them. They're just for fun. And I think the question this week should be, where would your Wisteria Lane honeymoon be? And with who? Ooh. Is that a good one? Yeah, 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 yeah. What would yours be? Mine would be with... Okay, so we would go on the Nostromo uh, in space. Uh, it is oh, the God. spaceship from the movie Alien. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Thank you. We would, we would meet the alien. Okay. Uh, we would fight the alien together. Would the alien become your third by the end, though? Well, of course. Okay, good. Uh, and I would go with... I'm throwing out a real wild card here. Okay. Real wild card. Okay. I'd go with Nora. <gasps> I think Nora would be really good at fighting the alien. I and then fucking agree. the alien. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. I could not be in more agreement that Nora would be fun to go fight aliens with. Mm-hmm. And then oh. and then fuck aliens. And then fuck but, the aliens. Yeah, Oh what about you? God, that's such a good answer. I don't know how to beat that. Um, I think I might me and my person would go to the underwater city of Atlantis. Okay. Uh, we would find it. We would discover it. We would go scuba diving off the coast. We would find Atlantis, and then through our adventures in Atlantis, we would uh become royalty there. And just decide to spend the rest of our days uh, underwater with the Atlanteans. And this would be me and Ida Greenberg. Oh, you stole my woman. <laughs> I did. You stole my woman. Me and me and Ida are going to go go to Atlantis for our honeymoon. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And when you all write us a review, let us know who your partner would be in Wisteria Lane and where you would go on your honeymoon. Hell yeah. Otherwise, you can find me, Ned, on any social media at Ned Jorts. You can find me, Mackenzie, at Mackenzie Wilkes. Mackenzie? Yes. I love you. I love you. Everyone else, stay juicy. Stay juicy.